Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. I think we got episode eight now. We're almost at 12. 12 is a good stat. We got to get there. How you doing, Aiden? It's been a, it's been a bit, brother. I know, uh, I know you're well-traveled at this point. How's things? Things are good. I know we had promised, promised, we said a Boxing Day episode was going to come out. Uh, that didn't happen for a couple of reasons, at least on my end. Number one, uh, a top world junior moments is something I don't want to rush through. It's something that I definitely want to do, but I want to kind of maybe back pocket it for when we could dedicate more time. And James and I couldn't dedicate the time um, in the last couple of weeks. And number two, we both uh, were both pretty busy and we both just wanted to have holidays with family. So it didn't happen, but we're back and we are back on you'll be listening to this. If you're listening to this on the day it drops, it will be January the 3rd which is one day after quarterfinal day and one day before semifinal day at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Well, we will surely get into that. I'm excited for it. But James, how are you? How am I? What a loaded question, my friend. Um, well, I, uh, I, I've learned recently that I'm not a plumber. I had a little bit of a mishap and may have, uh, may have, may have uh, hurt my residence a little bit, but... You know things. Things are good. I uh, I'm not one to go down after a quick punch. I'm I'm rolling through it. I, I say uh, it was a punch to the chest, not the face. Like I feel like I could rebound pretty well after that. So I'm uh, I, I'm staying in high spirits, but I'm fairly weathered after trying to deal with this and uh, and uh, keeping myself up a little bit longer than I should to do so. But you know, all in all. I've had a pretty damn good holiday, spent a lot of time with great people, and uh, yeah, made a lot of memories. It should last a long time, and I think that's a pretty good way to carry into the new year. So I think uh, without further ado, I think we've got quite a few topics for all of you hockey nerds that listen. I assume you're all hockey nerds, at least if you're if you're paying attention to this. I, I, I couldn't if I wasn't, full honesty. But um, yeah, uh, let's get it going, bro. Yeah, so like I said, obviously, James, you're, you're going to get through this. I believe in you. If you don't get through this, you can always come crash with me 12 hours away. Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, quarterfinal day. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big enough man to admit when I was wrong. And Thomas Milich has given me faith in Canadian goaltending once more. Um, obviously, it was Benjamin Goudreau that had the tough outing against Czechia. But even when Milich played against Germany, he let in bo- both the goals he let in. I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, you're going to have to make better saves than that against Sweden and against whoever the quarterfinal opponent is and against whoever the semifinal opponent is. And I was just worried. Um, and I voiced just, you know, at home in the holidays, talking about hockey with the hockey family I have, just voicing the concerns about that. And I was genuinely worried. And then in back-to-back games now, he's completely shown that he is equipped for the starting goaltender route. Uh, he was very good against Sweden in a 5-1 win. When that game was 3-1, Sweden had a lot of chances to make it 3-2 and get back in the game, and he shut the door. And then obviously today, there's a lot of stories out of that Canada-Slovakia game. He's not even the most prevalent goaltending story i think but he was very steady none of the goals were really his faults and i was impressed so he has my confidence as we move into a semifinal against the states i i've turned into a thomas millich fan i uh i remember when gaudreau got pulled in that in that uh czechia game you mentioned i i was sitting there boxing day as i always do for every first canada world junior game of the year and uh i was a little bit worried gaudreau was a little bit shaky you know it's uh 
biggest stage you could ever be on at that age. That's uh, it's it's a major thing, and you know I don't doubt that he's a great goaltender, and I'm not going to give him flack for it or blame him for it. I'm a I'm a fan through and through, and uh, but Millage came in and guys been pretty solid ever since like you know in a lot of those big blowout games he didn't have to do too much uh when when he did play but yeah this this slovakia game wow um there were multiple times where i was on the edge of my seat clutching my face thinking this game is over it's done a defensive breakdown happened and unbelievable scoring chance for the slovaks i thought it was done uh my good friend colton and i were watching the game together what what a game man but i didn't plan for it to be that exciting exhilarating stress inducing how did you deal with the tension in that game because you could cut that thing with a knife yeah i mean i i really it's two nothing on the genther goal and I, i'm i'm you know i'm from the start, I, I I had some faith in this team, right? The way they performed against Sweden, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you know, it's going to take a lot to take these guys down. And I watched the entire game where Slovakia beat the States, and I was really impressed with them. But Canada was doing something that the States didn't, and that was um, play steady defensively while managing to to take a lead. And that was what, what was missing for the United States in that game. And then Nemec scores on the power play, and all of a sudden... There's that little bit of fear. Ostapchuk then scores, though, right? But, you know, four minutes after Ostapchuk scores, uh, Bako scores. And all of a sudden, okay, it's 3-2. And even at 3-2, I'm, think, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking Canada has, you know, this, it's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. 4-2 goal is coming. And the amount of times they hit the post or the crossbar, you thought it should have come by any point. And then all of a sudden, it's 3-3. It's three, three. And I think my <laughs> I literally went from being 100% sure they were going to win to 100% sure they were going to lose within like three minutes. Oh, you that tying goal, you know, Oh yes. Yeah. When that time goal goes in, cause I'm so, I'm so confident at three, two, I'm thinking, <clears throat> no, it's, this is okay. Right. This is okay. This is fine. And the time goal goes in and just the way the game changed and the momentum, the Slovaks clearly had, it was, Oh, there was a problem. And even when overtime started, they don't score in that four on three power play. And I'm thinking, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Right. And, you know, like I said, like Shane Ray hit the bar on that power play. They're pouring everything on. Like, I, I, uh, this goaltender, man, this Slovak goaltender, massive credit to Adam Gaja. And it's, 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 it starts the tournament as the third goalie. And at the end of the day, I know, I think I said this to you while the game was going on, like Slovakia, my, my feeling towards Slovakia in this tournament is much like my feeling towards Latvia, which is, uh, you deserve better than where you are. Like Latvia, I thought performed very well in the pre preliminary rounds. They didn't really deserve, in my opinion, to be in the relegation game. Not to say that any of the four teams that finished above them didn't deserve to finish above them. I just thought, like for Latvia, like they they sh they showed up in every single game. They showed up to play in every single game. I was impressed. Slovakia, Slovakia deserves to be in the semifinals again. Not to say that Canada doesn't, but. That performance from everybody, Simon Nemec was fantastic. That, like, yeah, but and and the elephant in the room, we haven't even said his name yet, is Connor Bedard. <laughs> oh, that elephant! Oh, I didn't see him. I what he's that noticeable? Oh, yeah, no, the guy is just 
11 shots in the game. I honestly thought it was more. I saw the shot total at the end of the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. 54 for Canada? 52? Something like that? Around there. Regardless, low 50s. A ton of shots. Just peppering them. I I thought Bedard's shots were close to 20. uh, Just off the top of my head. But, you know, he was just going and going and going. Shot, shot, shot. High blocker. High club. And they weren't really going in. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, is it Guyon or Gajon? I, I had a hard time because I've heard both pronunciations so far. He was just everywhere in the net. There was no open windows. The guy was lights out, total eclipse. And can I cut to the goal already? Can I cut to the winner? Is it too early? Well, I mean, let's quickly, the first goal of the game that he scored and, We'll talk about Logan Stankovan in a, in, a, in a second here. Stankovan does a really good job now once but twice to disrupt the breakout. He makes a play initially to disrupt it the first time. And then when Slovakia recoups with a puck, tries to break a pass, he intercepts and he springs Bedard. Bedard again. You're, he's in that situation one-on-one. He's doing nothing but shooting the puck into the back of the net and he does. So Bedard has already, going into overtime, broken the Canadian record for goals in any World Juniors total has broken the points record. So he's beat Eberle. He's beat Eric Lindros. And he broke the record for most points by Canadian in a single World Juniors with 19. So big, ga- big day for him already. Uh, his team is has their lead get away from them, and he's in overtime. And then he does th- that. And that was unbelievable. <laughs> in regards to that, the aforementioned that, um, you watch Slovakian goaltender the whole way, and you can see he's thinking, shot. Oh, the shot's not coming. Shot as he gets around another player. It's th- it's three on three at the time. He goes around the first guy. Goaltender thinks, shot. Goes around the second guy. Goaltender thinks, shot. And then, oh, shades of Jordan Everly, the clutch god. It was just, I chills up my spine. You hear the Gord Miller call, and I jumped up off the couch, and my buddy and I are just screaming, jump, hug each other, fall back down to the couch. Like, did this really just happen? It was monumental. I didn't really expect that much of a roller coaster ride on my Monday, and I couldn't be more thankful for that surprise. Thank you, Connor Bedard, and thank you, Canada, and thank you to the Slovaks for putting up such a good fight and giving such a great game to watch. And thank you to Halifax and Moncton, man. Like when the tournament was in Vancouver, oh, yeah. I went to I went to watch Canada lose both games they lost. <laughs> I watched them lose New Year's Eve against Russia. And then I lost it. I watched them lose the quarterfinal against Finland. That one was tough. We're um, from every Canadian World Junior game ever now. I didn't go to the one in Edmonton here in the summer. I I, I didn't I didn't attend. I yeah, I I genuinely like I'm I'm not even gonna disagree with you. Um but in Vancouver the atmosphere and and the fan turnout you know it it's well documented that the tournament in the summer didn't go very well like it, you know it, it's been talked about there was a lot of factors for why it didn't go very well but it was an anomaly even just the nature of it, it being played in the summer but even the one in vancouver like it's not that it didn't generate interest because there was definitely interest but it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a huge you know citywide event and and even even in victoria like the the, the arena the arena sometimes was what wasn't fully wasn't fully filled up. And the year before in Buffalo, they had problems with attendance. There was a U.S. semifinal 
where it pans to the crowd and there's more empty seats than full seats in 2018. And then 2020, you go to Ostrava and it's a breath of fresh air in Ostrava. And it's 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 amazing. All the Czech fans were awesome in that tournament. The Canadian fans really turned up. Um, and then COVID. So we got the bubble tournaments in Edmonton, no fans. The summer tournament is what it was. And this tournament is kind of the first, it's the first winter tournament with fans since Ostrava. It's the first one in Canada since Vancouver. And boy, did the fans turn out. And boy, is the atmosphere amazing and you could see and it was <laughs> it, it, it it bothered me a little bit watching it on tv that everybody was standing up because the nature of the arena in halifax just the where the camera is doesn't really allow for great sight lines on the near side when all the fans are standing up just the nature of the major junior arena not being you know as as big and, and not being as flexible where you can put the camera in relation to the top row of the bleachers but the atmosphere has been amazing, not just for Canada games, but for all the games. So I just have to commend the hell out of just the fans in Halifax and Moncton. It's been awesome. Completely agree. And, you know, I just a final note on that topic. I don't want to give any disrespect to the Save on Food Center in Victoria. because Isn't that what it's called, I think? Yeah, uh, they. I believe that's what it's called. Wherever the Royals play. Uh, I've seen a handful of games there. And the fans fill that place for Royal Royals games. It's awesome. It's a great atmosphere. They are huge fans of their Royals. And like the couple games I've seen, they're just screaming about how much they love Matthew Phillips and Tyler Soy, a couple of Royals legends. So, you know, great place to see a game. It just, it didn't really, it wasn't the same atmosphere. Um, I'm stoked that it's this way in Halifax and Moncton. And you know, it's just going to set a good standard going forward. So New Year's Day being on a Sunday meant that I personally had all day off today. We are recording this the night of Monday, January the 2nd. So I had all day off and I woke up at 8.30. I unlocked the front door. My buddy came over and we sat our asses in my living room. We watched quarterfinal World Junior Hockey all day. Four games in a row. And <laughs> the first game and the last game were the were the blockbusters. And it's kind of funny to me because... The the criticism I sometimes hear about this tournament, and it's it's you know, um, I, I I haven't we haven't talked about this more because I just think it's stupid and I don't want to entertain this criticism. But the the criticism is uh, in the validity of of the the tournament because you of how how many blowouts you see right like the level of competition it, it, it's it's sometimes pointed to as a as a as as a way to discount the tournament. I don't know why people are 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 so content to to try and take away from from what this tournament is. Yeah, James is given thumbs down. I don't like it either. But it's kind of funny today because the quarterfinal day was two examples supporting that argument and two examples adamantly against it. Because I know we talked about it a little bit earlier too. That first game Finland Sweden, not only was it a great game of hockey between two rivals, but the passion in everybody involved in that game like the look on the face of the sweden captain when he scored late i know you referenced that to me i'm not even going to try uh, i i think stiemborg is how you pronounce his name scoring shorthanded through the legs of uh of lampen and like with a minute five to go and you like the camera cuts to his facial expression and his 
teammates mauling him. And then Carl Lindbaugh makes that save on Joachim Kamel. Like, that was an amazing game. And then you get two blowouts in a row. I genuinely thought Switzerland was going to give the Czechs a run for their money. I don't think I thought Germany was going to give the States a run for their money, but I thought they were going to put up a better fight than that. And then you get sort of a David versus Goliath in Slovakia, Canada, and so close to an upset. And then for it to end the way it did, like, you know, to me, what I have to say on that note is I'm happy to sit through the Czechia 9, Switzerland 1, and the United States 11, Germany 1, because for every one of those, there's the Finland 3, Sweden 2, and the Canada 4, Slovakia 3. Damn right. I'll echo that same sentiment. Sentiment. That's an easy word. (laughs) Come on. Come on, James. Come on. Let's get your head in the game. But yeah, um, I don't really care about the blowouts because this tournament is all about best u20s in the world they're young they're emotional they're going to make mistakes there's defensive breakdowns the some of the best players in the tournament are making massive mistakes there's so much emotion i i want all of that emotion all those mistakes all those learning experiences those things that these players will always remember going forward that will either help them or deter them in their careers it's it's just storylines waiting all the time and it's unbelievable it's incredible when you see Adam Sakura, who had an incredible game against Canada, tears in his eyes as he's being honored. It's that's the kind of thing that makes you love this tournament. It reminds me of Bowen Byram, uh, his golden locks hanging down with the C on his chest as his team loses, tears falling to the ice. And it's just raw emotion. And like you can see him looking at his teammates and talking to them like, I, I want it to be better. I want it to be better. He, he played great. He played incredible. But there's so much emotion. These are kids. These are kids who just want to be there and do the, their best for their country. And for some of them, it's the best stage they will ever play on. The best and biggest. And not all of them are going to make it as pros to the next level and play in a cup final or play in an Olympics or something. This is as big as it gets for some of them. And and they own it it's incredible this is what is great about the world junior hockey championship so you know what take whoever has those blowout takes can take them and shove it honestly yeah especially like more so than anything else because like at the end of the day do you have people in your life that are world junior fans that are trying to shove it down your throat for you to have that adamantly negative reaction to it it's like I don't know. I I think I heard Chris Johnston say it a little while ago. Like for a while it became, and I, I'm quoting here, like trendy to dunk on the tournament. And I kind of felt that way as well. Um, and you know, I I yeah, no. <laughs> Good. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> right. This is amazing. Uh I I there, there's <laughs> there there the, and then the fact that we're the fact that like James, this feels like it's already been an incredible tournament, right? Like it's we're recording this. It's the end of January the 2nd. We haven't even watched a semifinal yet. It hasn't even happened. And we're already like, for this, for this to happen in a quarterfinal was just unbelievable. Like, and, and, and the fact there is still more, four more huge games to come, maybe three if you're discounting the bronze medal game a little bit. I still think that, that you know, for these kids, having that bronze medal in five years, they'll look back on it fondly um it's probably a sucker punch not to be in the gold medal game at the time but it's something that you're happy about in retrospect but regardless and and I, we should get to it one of the semifinals is united states versus canada which is you know we didn't we didn't uh that we good? didn't get Did it we like that Did we oh, really like, oh, like well, that? oh wow oh what a surprise and we didn't we didn't get it in the summer tournament 
And, uh, you know, the last time these two teams met in a big, big game, it was the 2021 gold medal game where Spencer Knight single-handedly won the United States a gold medal against a Canada team that looked unbeatable until all of a sudden they were beat. <laughs> and I, again, like the fact that the fact that, again, you were, you're talking about your, your emotions through this Slovakia game. And I was the same way. The fact that we've already gone through that. And I guess it depends when you're listening to this at the time of recording in less than 48 hours, we get to watch a United States, Canada world junior semifinal is absolutely exhilarating. Oh, 100%. And I, uh, I am luckily going to be watching it at work and I will get to hear our current sports radio guy, whoever that is at the time, uh, talk about it and their awesome sports voices. And it's, it's going to be great. I'm going to be watching that while writing some stories. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a hell of a day and it's just going to get me even more excited for the, for the finals, for the bronze and gold medal games, regardless of who's playing in them. I, I don't care who's playing in them. It could be it could be the two worst teams in the tournament, and I would still watch it and love every second of it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because at the end of the day, what's the we're just talking about? What's the allure of this tournament? It's what this means to the players, and no matter who's in that gold medal game, it's going to mean everything to them. And yeah, the United States big win today, eleven one over Germany. It never really looked like it was in question. Three three goals in the first nine minutes of the game: Logan Cooley, Jimmy Snuggerud, and Cole Savage. I, I have been really impressed with Snuggerud. Uh, Logan Cooley's probably meeting my expectations. I, I thought he was going to be very good. He has been very good. Um, Luke Hughes has either, you know, uh, he'll have a shift where I think he's unbelievable. He'll have a shift where he was okay. But at the end of the game, I'm always sitting there like, no, he was good. <laughs> and um, he's steady Eddie. Yeah, he's he's yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, it, uh, both Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes have played well enough in the NHL that I'm not, you know, I've heard. This is supposed to be the best Hughes. I'm not going to make a judgment on it yet, but both Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes, I think weren't all they could be in their respective world junior tournaments. Um, so it's hard to kind of compare that. Um, but regardless, speaking of Luke Hughes, <laughs> he's looked good. Simon Nemich was fantastic today. The New Jersey Devils, we've talked about it, have an unbelievable defense duo coming up that is going to dominate for years to come. Nemich is um, an absolute killer. Like I'm stoked no. with this guy in the pros. Yeah, and and I genuinely thought he did a very good job with Bedard today. Um, I think he did a better job with Bedard than knock on wood than Luke Hughes has the <laughs> that I think Luke Hughes would do. So we'll see if that's the road the United States takes. I actually don't think that would have been that that would be a very good idea. Hughes is a good enough offensive player that you want to separate him from that matchup and maybe assign it to somebody else. Um, so yeah, like it's 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 Canada U.S. You know, I, I, we're we're biased. This, play, this show is literally called the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. From what I've seen of both teams, uh, I think the edge goes to Canada. Um, I was talking about this earlier. My dad, my dad missed the game, so he called me about an hour ago, having watched it recorded. We were talking about this game, and and the one thing I said to him was that I I think I think the Czechs and the Slovaks did better against Canada than the States are going to do because the Czechs and the Slovaks have the capacity, not only only do they have the capacity to do it, they have the expectation that they're going to have to soak up all the pressure. They're prepared for it. That's their game plan. So they'll soak up all the pressure. They'll take their chances when they get them. The United States is going into this game. The way this team is built, they have to try and outgun Canada. They, they, They have to. That's the way their team is built. That's the way they've played in this tournament. They are not going to beat Canada by, by sitting back, absorbing pressure and counterattacking. They're not. And I'm looking at that four group and as good as Snuggerud and Cooley have been and as as good as Cutter Goche has been and, and as much as Tyler Boucher is kind of having a redemption arc here after two very underwhelming post-draft years, it's still, 
you're not gonna outgun Bedard and and and, and Genther and Stankoven right right now. You're just not. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I have, have a couple, I, I put a couple bucks on Canada, but at the end of the day, there have been so many times in this matchup, in this tournament where the favorite hasn't been victorious. Quick tidbit. Uh, one thing I feel about, uh, about gambling on Canada, I like to put a small amount of money on the team playing against them because I, that way I'm stoked either way. Yeah, I've I've kind of had that line of thinking in the past. Um, the other thing too, I don't like feeling the twinge of disappointment when they win. So I just I, I haven't I haven't really I haven't really leaned into that. The other thing too is my my betting app doesn't have the World Juniors on it, um, but that's besides the point. Um, so again, we talked about him already. Connor Bedard, he's getting all the headlines, record breaking, eight goals, thirteen assists, and twenty one points in five games. Um, I wanted to quickly just run around other recent first overall picks, how they did in this tournament. So this is the year that they're going to get drafted. So again, you're watching him, you're watching him tear up all these teams, watching him tear up this tournament. And at at the end of the day, you're kind of watching this. You're thinking, oh, this competition's a little bit beneath him, right? You score 21 points in five games. That's a natural thing to have cross your mind. Um, So I I have stats, (laughs) of course, James. I have stats. So this is... In each instance, the players were juniors in the year they were drafted. So they had not yet been drafted. They were the top prospect for the upcoming draft. Start with Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid was fantastic in the 2015 tournament. He was tied for the tournament lead in points. He had three goals and eight assists for 11 points in seven games. Okay, just again, eight goals, 21 points in five games so far for Bedard. Sidney Crosby, part of a famously stacked 2005 Canadian World Junior team. Six goals and three assists for nine points in six games. Alexander Ovechkin. Matt Ovechkin did play in the 2005 tournament because of the lockout, but his specific draft year tournament, five goals, two assists, seven points in six games. Austin Matthews for the United States, 2016 tournament, better than the rest of them in terms of goals. He had seven goals in seven games, added four assists for 11 points. Again, Connor Bedard, Eight goals, 21 points in five games. Just, I feel like I have to keep stressing that as I'm running through these NHL superstars and how they did. Nathan McKinnon in 2013. 2013 was another lockout year. So Canada had their pick of the litter for players. So he didn't get as much ice time because you had like, for instance, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was the first overall pick in 2011. He led this tournament in scoring because he would have been with the Edmonton Oilers but the lock of shortened season caused him to play in this tournament. But McKinnon, only one point, one assist in six games. That's a little bit of a different situation. Jack Hughes in 2019, four assists, no goals in four games in his tournament. The only one in recent memory that was one of the best players in the tournament, in fact, he won tournament MVP, was 2020. Alexi Lafreniere had four goals and 10 points in the five games he played, missed two games due to injury, but was fantastic in every game he played in and won MVP in 2020. So Lafreniere is the the only one that's, that's, and obviously he's not coming close production-wise, but came close in terms of he was the guy that year. He was the guy for that team. He was the guy in that tournament. Um, but aside from that, again, like I know we kind of did this exercise uh, with Bedard's stats in the, in, the, in the WHL. I just want to, again, reiterate that, you know, he's, he's breaking these records as a draft-eligible player. These other superstars didn't even come close to this. 
Yeah, it's it's a monumental feat. Uh, with a couple of them, uh, McDavid specifically, I, I I don't have the scores up, but I don't really remember as many blowouts that year. I remember close games. I remember being on the edge of my seat often. And when it wasn't a close game, maybe they're up by three or four goals. You know, I, I, I only... I only specifically recall them winning big against Denmark. I think the rest of them were within three or four at the most. And then uh, another thing to take into account is the the group that Canada is placed in. Um, I'm not going to say they had an easy group, but they had a couple teams that they had a chance of blowing out. And, uh, you know, you look at Bedard's point totals in those games, it, it speaks for itself. I'm not discounting his performance whatsoever. Putting up that many points in a best-on-best tournament of players your age is absolutely nuts. Um, I do just want to take those into account. But, yeah, I mean... Seven points in his last two games against Sweden and Slovakia, right? And and obviously, you know, the bulk of the 21 is Austria-Germany, but every tournament you get... Or Austria, not Austria-Germany. Yeah, Austria-Germany. Um, but every tournament, you 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 get those teams, Right. And, and at the end of the day, it, it, it's not like Connor McDavid didn't get to play against Denmark, right? It's not like it's not like Connor McDavid had a group where it was Sweden, U.S., Finland, Russia, and Canada as the five. It, that, that wasn't the case. Um, Canada, in fact, they had Slovakia in that semifinal, um, which is an easier semifinal than they often get um, on paper, right? Um, McDavid had three points in that game. Anyhow, um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is. You know, I'm usually I I'm, I usually like and I'm usually pretty solid at being able to look at a player and, and pull their NHL comparable. Um, I don't even have one for Logan Stankovin, man. He's just he's his own player. He's his own player. And he he's, you know, Bedard is the entire focus, obviously, for good reason. But Logan Stankovin, every time he's on the ice, he makes a difference. Every time he's on the ice, he's one of the most, if not the most tenacious force he always wants the puck his drive for the puck when he's on the ice reminds me of mike richards not that he plays anything like mike richards because he doesn't but what i see oh stankoven when he's pursuing the puck and when he's on it it's that same determination like this is mine i'm gonna do anything in my power to get it and keep it that i saw to mike richards in the early 2010s i could see that i was just running through my head trying to think of comparisons and i you're right i'm stuck i got nothing He's so unique. He's so unique for you. I I think, I I think he's, he's, if Cole Caulfield was a center, that was kind of the one thing that I sort of had in my head, but he's, he's way more well-rounded than Caulfield, which I guess is if he was a center in a way, but just his, his shot is very good. His hands are unbelievable. His hockey sense is fantastic too. I just, yeah, I, I really like this guy and Dallas, my God, Jason Robertson in the second round. Rupe Hints, I think, in the second round, if not later. And now Logan Stankovic in the second round. Like, their team is going to be a playoff contender, and they're going to be built around their best players not being picked in the high picks. Not to say that their first-round picks aren't coming to the forefront as well. Miro Heiskanen and Jake Ottinger are two of them. But just the getting Robertson at 39 in 2017 is the best thing that has happened to that franchise since they won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I'm still trying to think of... Stankovic comparisons. I've he's, gone he's, nowhere. He's his own player. Like I, I maybe Matt Barzell, but uh, even then, no, not really. No. Yeah. No, with Barzell, the big signature is the skating, and I can't compare anyone without the specific skating style. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, soldiering on with the World Junior Talk. This is going to be most of this because, uh, well, for obvious reasons, it's awesome. <laughs> um, 
I have in our show notes, Montreal, New Jersey, and Arizona all seem like they made the right choice, but I spelled right as in Shane Wright's last name, which is exactly where I'm going with this. Um, Uri Uri Slykovsky, from what I've seen out of him in the NHL this season, looks like somebody who isn't ready to be in the NHL yet, but has all the potential in the world. He obviously had a huge year last year playing professionally in Finland and playing for Slovakia at every level. Um, I'm not going to question that pick at number one, but what we've seen in this tournament out of uh, Simo Nemec and Logan Cooley, just kind of in my head, and you can disagree with me, cut me off if you think I'm, I'm being an idiot here. Cooley and Nemec have both shown in this tournament why they were picked above Shane Wright. Uh, I still want right over Cooley. I, I, I am debating on saying that, but, uh, like, dude, just the expression on Shaner's face, looking at his face, his poise with the puck is so much different. His body position when going into a corner is so different. Everything seems like, oh, I'm going to avoid the pun. I'm avoiding the pun. I'm not doing it. Everything seems proper for him. I didn't say <laughs> right. I didn't want well, to use the pun. I've already used it. Uh, it just seems he seems like he feels like he's in the right place. Like this is the place for him to come and feel good. That's more than fair. I think if if we have to flesh out the Cooley versus Wright thing specifically, I think Logan Cooley has more high end potential. He has more potential to be a superstar number one center than Shane Wright does. Shane Wright is more of a can't miss solid top six forward pick. If that makes sense, if that tickles your fancy per se. They're just such different types of centers. It's, it's, it's a completely different type of player. We're looking at a uh, um, Shane Wright's range could go from smaller prime Jordan stall all the way up to like analysts have given him the Bergeron comparison for what his peak could be. When I watch Shane Wright play, I think Braden point. No, that's cool. I like that. I didn't really, I never really agreed with the Bergeron comparison, but I didn't watch him enough in junior. So I didn't really, I, I don't have that angle, but I like the Braden point comparison. For I, me, comparing somebody to Patrice Bergeron, it's a very different way, but it's like comparing somebody to Connor McDavid, right? Like Patrice Bergeron is so good at specifically what he does that it's impossible to, to, to saddle anybody else with that comparison. Like you can't, you can't do it to me. Um, yeah, Point is a reliable two-way center, not the greatest defensive center in the world. And he's a reliable offensive player, not the most <laughs> you know, productive center in the world. But Braden Point to me is somebody who does everything right and you can always count on. I got one. I got one. A less tenacious cadre. I can see that. Oh, I can definitely see that. Without a I doubt. like that one. I'm I like that too. That one. I'm taking that yeah. and run with it. Thanks, he's, he, yeah, he he he's Nazem Kadri. If if Kadri wasn't as mad as Kadri always was, I think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good shout for him. Logan Cooley, yeah, and and it's obviously uh, part of it too is obviously the fact that with Seattle, he's just had such a polarizing season to now. And you know, I I I really liked him with the Kingston Frontenacs. I've liked him in this tournament. Um, just from what I've seen out of Logan Cooley, I've watched most of the states' his games. He he's he's been more in control, but it's hard for Shane Wright to shine with Connor Bedard stealing the limelight. So I think that's part of it as well. Logan Cooley's the guy to me on that United States forward core. And that's what I love about Shane Wright's role right now. He doesn't have to lead by example. He can lead by being the person he is, by being uh by being Shane Wright, by having a presence. 
when you look at him step on the ice, you see a bit of confidence on that Canadian bench. They're like, okay, good. Shane's out there. Good. All right. We're, we're safe for a bit. This is, things aren't going to go super wrong right now. Uh, he steps on the ice and I really honestly wish he scored that overtime goal. I think he deserves it. I think with what he did going down to the AHL and what he did scoring against Montreal and then going into this tournament, playing stellar hockey, uh, sound hockey, reliable hockey. I think he deserved that goal. I really wish it didn't go off that post. I Yes, Bedard is the best player in the tournament, but I wanted to see Shane Wright kind of bask in the limelight a bit. And we still haven't, like I said, we still haven't played a semifinal game. There's still time. Um, speaking of the U.S.-Canada semifinal, just kind of on a whim, I was going to spring this question on you. So the United States and Canada are playing in the semifinals. Can you give me, so two quick trivia, we're going to do World Junior Trivia at the end. Two quick trivia questions for you right now. No, I didn't Google these. I just kind of <laughs> came up with them. Um, so can you give me, number one, the last three times Canada and the United States have played in the World Juniors and what the results of each game were? And then number two, the last time Canada and the U.S. met specifically in a World Junior semifinal? I, I didn't know there was going to be math in my podcast. I didn't sign up for this. It's this not is- math. It's just... <laughs> Uh, what, what part of this is math? Um, hmm. Subtracting the the meetings, subtracting the semifinal meetings from the actual meetings. Hmm. If you want a hint, the last three meetings in Dare any I stage of the tournament is one of them the one where Jake McCabe was on the American roster. Not that I can specifically recall. He might have been on the roster for the last semifinal meeting. So. I'll I'll give you this. The last three meetings have all not been in semifinals. And then the most recent semifinal meeting is just before that. Give me a year. Okay. So the last three meetings have been 2021, 2020, and 2017. The last semifinal was in 2013. Jake McCabe. I knew okay. it. There you I go. Jake... Yes. To me, oh. that's to me, that's the John Gibson, Johnny Gaudreau team. That's what that screams to me, that tournament. And and from that one, I remember Gibson being dominant, but the first thing that comes to mind is Jake McCabe standing people up and showing that he could be a dominant blue liner blue liner at the NHL level, which I, I mean he's he's a solid NHLer. Um I I just remember thinking, oh God, this this guy is scary. This guy is gruesome. I he was such a dominant presence on their blue line in that tournament. Like he is Sorry, quick, quick edit for you. I said 2017. The game was played in 2017. I'm just now remembering it's 2018. It's not 2017. Sorry. So it, the last three meetings were in the 2021, 2020, and 2018 tournaments. I'll give you a mulligan on that one. That one's fair. You can have a mulligan. I'm I'm going to need probably two for the rest of the show. But yeah, I, I just remember Jake McCabe being just a tenacious player and being worried to see him at the NHL level, even though my favorite team was Colorado and he was playing in Buffalo. But yeah, I, I somehow managed to kind of get that one. I'm I'm happy with myself in that trivia question. So can you give me the results of their last three meetings, 2021, 2020 and 2018? I, uh, I, I didn't do my homework for this one, man. I, I wasn't ready for that question. We don't script these, but I, I I definitely didn't see that one coming. No, no, I don't. I can't. 
Help me out. Help me out. What do we got? Well, 2021 was the one we were talking about, the the infamous Spencer Knight gold medal game. Uh, goals by Turcotte and Zegras. The Americans beat Canada 2-0. Uh, 2020 was the back-and-forth group Boxing Day game where Alexi Lafreniere scored seven seconds after the U.S. tied it 4-4 to make it 5-4 in an eventual 6-4 win. And then 2018, notably, was the only outdoor game in World Junior history in Buffalo, the state's winning in a shootout in the group stage. Well, thank you for the information and you knowing your stuff. And listeners, I promise I'm not a fake World Junior fan. I do love this tournament, but I didn't have those numbers on my head. And I'm not even going to use my fatigue as an excuse. I just didn't know those ones. It's okay. I think the actual stuff I prepared for you that isn't just on a whim, um, I, I think you'll do better with them. That's my. Now they're going to think you're giving it to me easy. No, no, no. These these are written down. These are set in stone beforehand. I'm not I'm not editing these at all. It's like when someone gives their significant other the a win playing Mario Kart or something, lets them win. It's just I now I feel guilty. Well, when me and Caitlin play Chell, I don't let her win. But I play as I go on, like, I think we just play national teams. I play as Team Japan or, or whatever, like Team Team Kazakhstan. And she goes as Team Canada. And I like, I'll, I'll try. It's just the skill gap and, and the goalie and the lack of skill on my team makes it for a close game. I don't think she's beat me yet, but we, I think we, we had a, we had a shootout barn burner the other day. You should throw her on NHL 94 controls and see what happens. You'll probably get toasted. I've never thought about that. I've never thought about that because she knows how to play, right? So I think it would be a little bit of a transition for her to 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 suddenly switch control method. But you know what? I think you're right. And she would be she she would uh she would relish in beating me in any way. So I th- I think we're gonna give that a go. She's not she's not here. She's at home right now, but when she's back, I'm gonna give <laughs> this one one last note because I think it's a good strategy uh for anyone out there who really wants to let someone win. Uh, I I imagine someone will encounter this at some point. I've let my uncle Dan love my uncle Dan. Great guy. I uh, I played him in cello a couple times. His uh, his experience is fairly limited, and I threw him on NHL '94 controls. Absolutely roasted me. I think it was like seven four. I had no chance. Just presses A. It's over. It's done. It just goes in automatic slap shot top right easy. Just as we're kind of transitioning from the World Juniors to the NHL, I just want to point something out, man. You and I have never had a game. Uh, on uh, of NHL on any console ever, so that has to be something we uh, we remedy in the near future. I think. I don't know if you want it. I'm not that good. Yeah, you don't want it. I'm 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 aggressively mediocre, especially because you know what the one I have here is 21. I have not yet updated. I I need to update. It's not enough time in my life to justify eighty dollars a year. But I kind of in my head, I'm like, okay, I'll do it every other year. Okay, I'll do it every other year, and I just haven't got around to buying twenty three yet. Hmm. Um. So maybe it's every other 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 year, and you're gonna come back in at twenty four. I at this point probably because the price of twenty three hasn't dropped yet. So, <laughs> you know, am I gonna pay the same amount of money for half of the time before the new one comes out? I don't think so. Um. The only downfall of that to me, like I don't mind the twenty one gameplay. I actually liked it more than what I've played of, out of the newer ones. Um, I just, I, I know you and I are the same way. I just religiously play franchise mode. So the ratings, potentials, and teams are all not updated, which it bothers me a little bit, but yeah, well, you, I'll, I'll... You, got, you got to update then because once you update to 2022, the, uh, they finally put custom rosters that people have made that you can download in the game. 
So someone is going to have one in there for an updated NHL for you, and you're never going to have to get a new game again. Yeah, I have, I have, I have heard that. I have heard that. Yeah, we'll think about it. I I did, uh, you know, uh, my birthday's the day before Christmas, so we got some got some gifts, but also got some checks. Um, I don't know if Caitlin would appreciate the uh, the money for our savings account going to a video game right now, but uh, I don't care. So maybe we'll just get it. <laughs> Add in her favorite food, and you're good. You're safe. <laughs> we said we weren't going to do gifts to each other because it's one bank account. Um, <laughs> we said we're just going to save up some money and go on like a trip on a weekend, stay in a hotel somewhere instead, which is a better idea. And I did surprise her with a gift, so I am I am uh, I do have I I have one I have one in the bank right now, and I might use that. <laughs> Shell twenty three. Oh, uh, look at you gathering brownie points! I'm so proud of you. <laughs> You're such a good boyfriend. Right, you got you got to know how to do it here. Um, <laughs> moving to the NHL, uh, Winter Classic was today for me got completely overshadowed with how awesome a couple of these quarterfinal games were. Um, I don't know how you feel about the winter classic James. For me, I loved it. Absolutely loved the winter and heritage classics until I was maybe 13, 14 years old. I could tell you who played in the result of every single one because I loved watching them. They were an event for me. And then the NHL introduced the stadium series and I stopped caring about all of them. Um, it's cool that it was in Fenway Park. The jerseys are cool to look at. I didn't watch the games because I was watching World Junior Hockey all day. Watched the highlights, looked cool, but I haven't been able to get invested since that stadium series year where it felt like they played half the regular season in a football field or a baseball park. I think uh if I I love the winter classic, uh just the look of it. It's such a such an interesting little treat to have. Uh, I almost would prefer if it didn't line up with World Juniors. Um, I guess for people who don't watch the World Juniors, that really uh, that seems like something great. And then also for locals. For locals, what a great way to spend your day. That's awesome. Right after New Year's, you just have a good time. And go sit and watch. I mean, unless it was in Minnesota, and then you're freezing all of your limbs off. And that was kind of something. Looked cool, though. Um, but I think I want them to go with that route that they took with the Colorado Vegas outdoor game. That was such a beautiful scene. Yes, the weather didn't work out perfectly and they had to come back to the game later in the day. And that was kind of odd. And (laughs) that seems like something out of a story from 70 years ago. But I really, really loved the look of that. Uh, I, I can't recall off the top of my head what lake that was at. But it was incredible. The views were incredible. It was by far the most aesthetically pleasing outdoor game I've ever seen looks-wise. And I would like to go that route. Yeah, and you know what? This year, the story for me was, you know, beyond Fenway and 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 all that. It was the game because the, the game that Jake DeBrusque had is pretty descriptive of the season he's been having. After an awful 2021, he requests a trade. They don't trade him. He has since rescinded his trade request last season, 25 goals in 77 games a bounce back. Cause in 2021, he was bad five goals, 14 points in 41 games for somebody that looked like he was going to be a surefire top six forward, 16 goals, 30 points in 36 games already. James well on pace to beat his career high in points, probably going to beat his career high in goals. He'd have to fall off pretty hard not to his career high is 27. So for me, this is a guy that when he requested a trade, I was like, Vancouver, come on, hop on him. I really like this guy. Um, but here we are. He's a Boston Bruin, and he's contributing to the success that team's had, which has been extensive this season. 
Yeah, they're pretty good. I, I didn't really like it when Colorado played them. It wasn't fun. Yeah. And when when I watch other teams play them, it's just like, ugh. Yeah. I already know the result of this game unless there's just some anomaly. I mean, with the four regulation losses and four OT losses, or are they two and two? Yeah, four and four? I want to say four and four. Yeah. And they're, they're, their record is just incredible. They're rolling over teams. The whole last dance mentality with Krejci coming back, it's just, it's it's pretty freaking rock star, if you ask me. Like, if they go win a cup, it'll be a cool storyline. I, I like it. I like storylines. I, I watch sports for storylines. I watch sports I don't care about for storylines. I it's a Terrible, it's not even a take, it's just my opinion. I don't like watching baseball, but I love the storylines. I enjoy... Uh, I loved seeing like the Bryce Harper redemption arc on the crazy run to the world series, even though he lost stuff like that just gets my gears turning, sends chills up my spine, reminds me of why I love sports. So, you know what? The Bruins can keep doing that stuff for that reason. Um, I, 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 I'm not a huge Canucks fan or a fan of like Montreal fan or something like that. I don't have any ill will towards them. I'm just not really a, a big fan of them. It, it is what it is. But they can keep doing what they're doing. And on the Jake DeBrusque note, that guy has his mojo. Wherever it was, he found it. It's it's a completely different player. I've I feel like just circumstantially, because I always have hockey on, I've seen him play a ton of times. There's no more invisible Jake. There's no more where is DeBrusque. There's no more, oh, he hasn't had a shift in a while. It's this guy's on the ice, he's dominant, he's making things happen, and he's causing trouble for every team that's on the ice against the Bruins. So initially in our show notes, I had JT Miller. We've talked about the Canucks enough, I think, because I'm a Canucks fan and, and we've just you know, oh, are you? It's come up. Yeah. And uh and because I'm a Canucks fan, I, I don't even want to like and it's not, they're not even playing bad. They're not even playing bad. It's just I, I'm so done with watching this team win games that will eventually lead to mediocrity and either a near playoff miss or a near playoff qualification and a first, or if they're lucky, a second round exit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I can see now that the vision of this team is through the vision of their owner, which is I want to, I want playoff revenue, right? By any means possible. I don't want to win a cup. I just want to be in the playoffs to get the revenue from those home games and I'm done. And until that changes, I'm, you know, it's, it's it's impossible for me to say like, oh, I'm not a Canucks fan because that's dumb. Nobody, you know, like I'm too big of a hockey fan and I've been too big of a Canucks fan for a long time, but I'm going to be pretty freaking frustrated with this team so long as that's the goal. And I can still see that being the goal. Um, JT Miller is just, uh, uh, you know, for me, he's an embodiment of the team's problems because he's frustrating. He's just so, <laughs> him yelling at Colin Delia was just, it's got to be, you know, not only it, it not only did did it visually look bad, but the fact that he then let Bruce Boudreaux take all of the blame for it and didn't one time be like, oh, that was my responsibility. I shouldn't have done that really annoyed me, too. Um, I think that's all we have to say on the Canucks unless you have something to add. Yeah, yeah, I would I'd like to add for sure. Um, uh, I didn't see this as it happened. I was told about it by a friend while we were playing some video games and hanging out and I watched the video and uh full transparency i smiled when i watched it not that i was laughing at it that i was like ah i like fire 
I like fire. I like chaos. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean, we talked about this before, that completely different situation, but with like a, a guy like Bennington snapping, uh, I like seeing players snap. It, it reminds me of the competitiveness of the sport and one of another one of the reasons that I love hockey so much. Um, yes, it would have been a hell of a lot better if he took some blame. If he went to the media and said, yeah, I was pissed and wasn't really happy. If he just went and said that, yes, would have been a lot better. But I do not really have any problem with it actually happening with him yelling at his goalie. It didn't really phase me too much on that front. But um, yes, I, I agree that it would have been better. And I think if he just went and said, hey, I really wasn't having it. It is what it is. On to the next game. Thanks, guys. And then Mike Drop left. I think that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you. Uh, almost anything he could have said or done after would have been better than what he did. So, yeah. The other thing that happened in the NHL since we were gone, the big thing, obviously, Alexander Ovechkin passing Gordie Howe, second place in all time goals, 806 now, 26 goals in 39 games this season. James, never, ever, ever, one time have I ever once. James is on the camera right now. You can't see it, but he's doing the hot stick thing. Um, <laughs> never have I once seen a team whose sole and primary goal was to have one of their players achieve a statistical feat the way that the Washington Capitals are built right now so that Alexander Ovechkin can catch Wayne Gretzky. Their team is 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 not good enough to win the Stanley Cup right now. I just, I don't think they are. Um and they are not well-equipped enough for the future after Ovechkin. But rather than either bolstering up right now for a cup run or tearing it down, they just want to leave it as is because right now he's clearly in a good position to have success because everybody wants him to catch Gretzky in that organization. And I, I I don't know if you have a thought on that, but to me, it's, it's, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it as a criticism, it's just bizarre to me to see a team's whole existence be around. We want our captain to score 806. So like just what <laughs> another season and a half worth of goals to break this record. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yes, that does seem that that does seem like, and is, uh, they're one of, if not their main purpose right now, but I also want to take into account that John Carlson's injured right now. Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom haven't played a game yet this season. Um, this team hasn't been healthy yet. I honestly think they're pretty low to that front and could cause some trouble in the first, maybe even second round for uh, whoever they match up with in the playoffs if they make it. If if they make it, that is a thing. Um, I'd love to see the Caps in the playoffs. A year without Ovi in the playoffs just seems like a joke. But, um, yeah, I... <sighs> Records are meant to be broken, and it almost never happens with the cool ones. So if all of these guys are banding together and getting together every night saying, we got to get Ovi another one tomorrow. If if that's their purpose, I'm all here for it. I love that. I want to see Ovi being the greatest goal scorer of all time because, you know, you era adjust goals, he is. He, he already is the GOAT. We're just waiting for clarification, <laughs> like in terms of goal scoring. Um, not the goat all time in every category. We, we we have talked about that probably and we'll talk about it more in the future. But yeah, I I would love to see them continue to support him. I think bringing in Dylan Strom was an awesome addition to help him secure more goals. That guy's a great playmaker. He's honestly kind of an ideal player to play with Ovi sometimes. That, that's awesome. So yeah, I support it. I want it to keep happening going forward. 
and I don't care if they're all empty netters. Yeah, and I I get that. Pissed about empty netters when he got two in one game. They were so mad, and I was like, dude, he doesn't even hold the record for empty netters. Gretzky still has that, so just take that take and throw it in the garbage. It's it's trash. You know, I. For me, I, I I had always been a person that like didn't really read into like to me uh, somebody commenting on something online was just you know an, a faceless idiot most of the time if I didn't agree with what they were saying. Um, the amount of like just the the amount of things I've been kind of hearing i guess or, or just reading from from fans that that have been commenting on even this situation we kind of touched on it at the world juniors i just like i met like if <laughs> if you are that mad about something that affects your life that little like just just let the people that are enjoying it enjoy it that's my message <laughs> just just let you know maybe it's not for you <laughs> you know maybe maybe ovechkin breaking gretzky's record isn't for you it's not you know like a lot maybe of people want to find another sport yeah, well, and you know what? Like, I'm not. I'm not even saying I want him or don't want him to break the record. I'm. 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 I'm gonna. St- I'm actually gonna stay impartial on it. Um, I think it'd be very cool that we get to watch somebody break the record. Um, but overall, like Gretzky wants him to break the record. He said that, right? Like, just you know, let it happen and enjoy watching history because it doesn't come around all that often. Love that, except for one thing. I don't like letting you be impartial, Marshall. If you had to have one or the other, him break the record or not, if you had to, someone gun to your head, someone says, do you want him to break the record or not? What are you going to say? Um, If you asked me exactly two years ago today, 100% yes. Um, I, I, I still am a little bit unbothered by his blasé attitude towards A, the Russia-Ukraine situation and be the outward support he's always had for Vladimir Putin. Um, like the, there's pictures of him and Putin together still up on his Instagram, right? Um, he, he's always been a huge supporter. We've heard Russian NHLers commend it, say how much they have a distaste for it. Um, and he's the most influential one. I genuinely think his voice might make a difference and he's not using it. Um, the reason I'm not as like hardline, oh, he needs to, whatever, is because Russia and North America have very different cultures, very different governments. You don't know what may or may not happen if he is to speak out. So that's kind of why I'm not like, yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not like taking a hardline stance on it. It's more just something that's leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so that's kind of why it's a complicated feeling for me. Um, again, if you would ask me before, if you had asked me, you know, it's, it's right now it's January. So I guess it's third. Now we've passed midnight. Oh, it's second for you. Um, we've passed midnight in Alberta. Um, but if you asked me early January, 2021, I'm saying hundred percent, it'd be awesome. Right. When do you get to witness history? Not that often. We're witnessing it with Bedard right now. And that's special. Be cool to witness it with Ovechkin. But like I said, bad taste in my mouth. However, if you force me to choose, I think, you know, him as a player, what I've seen out of him, I've always loved watching him play. I've always loved the attitude he's had. Watching him win the Cup in 2018 is probably my favorite Stanley Cup win that I've ever been able to watch. Like, and, and the summer, the summer after, it was just awesome. Me too. Me too. 100%. It was, uh, he said right after, uh, I be- I'm paraphrasing. I believe it was, it's time. We did it. 
friends, fans, go grab a beer and celebrate with those that you love. And I, in my small hometown of Port Alberni, went to my local Boston Pizza because we were limited for bars at the time. And I sat with a couple of friends who were hockey fans and talked about how much we love hockey and how awesome it is that Ovi won a cup. And I sat there and had a couple laughs and enjoyed a nice picture with a couple of friends. It was perfect. And I, I don't think hockey would be the same if he didn't win a cup. No. And, and even just that year, like, it, you know, that was actually the first year that like, I think in 20, 2015, 16 and 17, I had them at the very least in the conference or Stanley cup finals. I think in 16 and 17, I said it was their year to win the cup. And every year they got disappointed in 2018 was the first year I was like, yeah, they're losing to Pittsburgh in the second round. It's inevitable. And then they beat them. <laughs> um, and uh, that's kind of why my attitude around the Colorado avalanche had been like, I'm going to keep picking them until they win. Cause with Washington, I stopped picking them and then they won. So I was like, no, this time I'm hard line. I'm sticking with the apps and they won this year. Um, so I guess that kind of wraps up what we had prepared world junior and NHL wise. I did kind of just want to take this opportunity to say, if you're still listening to this podcast in the middle of this with us rambling about Ovechkin and, and Miller and the Canucks. And, and, you know, if you are listening to me say these words right now, uh, you have some sort of, uh, care for what they are. Um, and if you do have care for what we're saying, you're probably a hockey fan. And if you're a hockey fan, we did two interviews that I really, really like. The first one with Mike Moore. He won the 1982 World Junior. So if you're listening to this now and you are super into World Junior mode like James and I are, go listen to Mike. He was the leading scorer of the first World Junior that Canada ever won. And he gives us an absolutely phenomenal interview. That was episode six. Episode seven, we talked to David Brandis. He is a Blackfolds Bulldogs defenseman in the AJHL. He is currently committed to Sacred Heart University in the NCAA. So he talks about his hockey career to now. He talks about choosing the NCAA route over the major junior route. Both interviews are amazing. Both interviews are up. If you're listening and you're enjoying this, you're going to enjoy that. So go listen to him. Yeah, emphasis on if you're listening. This is probably the most all-over-the-place podcast we've ever had, just once we got out of World Junior stuff. I, I loved it. Like, I'm having a blast right now, but it was pretty all-over-the-place. So a big emphasis on if you're listening, and I hope you still are at this point. But, you know, the both interviews were great. I, uh, uh, I talk very often about things in sports that send chills up my spine, and there were a couple Mike Muller things that really got me going there. And I... Uh, I remember walking out of doing that interview, walking, walking out of doing that interview makes it sound like I actually met him in person. No, I was sitting in front of my laptop in my apartment, but no, I, I walked out of that very, very happy and refreshed and thankful for the time he spent and the stories he told us because that was, that was our first NHL. That was a huge milestone for us. And and hopefully more come down the line in the future. It was, uh, it was pretty special. And I I really recommend people who just love hearing a good story give a lesson as well. So the other thing I wanted to uh <laughs> I wanted to ask you about James. So I was listening to a to a to a hockey show as you and I always so often do. Um I love to listen to like uh, you know you and I have such a long extensive knowledge of this game. Um, so I, for me, it's actually sometimes kind of difficult to find a hockey podcast because I always want to be listening to somebody who knows more than me, because that's how you learn. And so I, I find these podcasts with obviously people who know a lot and I give the light of day to everything they always say. And I heard something on one of them last week that just like, 
I I remember like I'm in my car and I like I'm I'm driving and I hear it. I kind of I look at the radio and I I I can hear the voices. It's the same people. I look at the phone. It's like no no. It's the show. This is actually what I'm listening to. And the opinion was that, and I'm gonna get your opinion on it. And you know, <laughs> genu generally, an opinion can be right or wrong, but I'll respect it. This this to me is so not even a question like this is so i i can't i i don't even i was shocked with what i was hearing and then i'm i can't even believe we have to talk about this or have this debate we don't i'm just choosing to but um so the the opinion is if a player attempts a michigan and his stick comes in contact with the goaltender's face that is and i'm directly quoting because this is somewhat important high sticking uh no no the Goalies make saves with their masks all the time. Why does that? Why does that have any any? Well, and the the argument was the stick oh. is coming into contact with a goalie's face. Um, I see you blow the play dead if the stick goes in the goalie's mask. I don't like that. I don't want a stick going in in between the 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 cat eye there. No, no, I can, no, I can, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. But if the, the... blade smacks their mask a bit, I don't care. No, and that was the insinuation was it's a high sticking penalty. And I I I I'm I'm again like I'm driving and I'm like saying a lot to myself, like, have you not like how how is this a how is this a conversation topic? How are you actually and both of the people agreed with that it should be a penalty? Like, guys, <laughs> the rule of high sticking, two things prevent this from actually being right. Number one, a high stick is actually only supposed to occur. If you hit somebody in the face and your stick is above your shoulders. So if you are, if you're skating and your, your stick is about the height of your hips and somebody falls down in front of you and their face comes in contact with your stick, but your sticks at your hips, it's not high sticking. Okay. Number two, <laughs> and I'm going to actually directly read this from the NHL rule book. A player is permitted accidental contact on an opponent if the act is committed as a normal windup or follow through of a shooting motion. And I thought that was common knowledge. You like a high stick isn't a high stick if it's the follow through of a shot. Period. A Michigan's a shot. <laughs> what else is it? You're trying to score. It's an attempt on goal that the goalie has to save. It's a shot. So if you hit a goalie in the face with a puck on your stick, you're shooting. It's still a follow through of a shot. And I just like. It blew my mind, and I'm glad you're on my side, so I don't have to like argue with you about this for a while. But um, it, it was just it was mind blowing to hear the the like to to see here and hear two people that I I listen to multiple times a week, and you and know, we both worship, yeah, legit. Say that this is high sticking. It's like, are you like what? In oh god, I'm glad you agree. I just wanted to I wanted to know if I was crazy, honestly, because like I, I, it was such a no brainer to me. It's like, am I missing something? But if I'm not, I'm happy. <laughs> and I'm also glad that I was able to find in my tired brain the uh, the idea of the blade going in in the holes of the goalie's mask, because, you know, that that could kind of motivate that kind of idea. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I I don't like that take. But that's that's what they are. Takes are takes. Yeah, no. And like I said, like, again, an opinion, everybody's entitled to an opinion. And I'll, you know, my, my attitude generally is to, like, hear it out, respect it. And if necessary, explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> um, 
or or have a conversation where the result may or may not be me being incorrect, me being correct, whatever. But that to me is just such a, it, it's so black and white, that rule, right? <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, it's just not a penalty. Um, so the last thing I wanted to wrap up with, we actually went through this a lot faster than I thought we were going to go through this, which is, uh, is good for me because I have a, it's 1228 AM time of recording. I have a 9 AM start tomorrow and an 11 PM finish because of course I do. Why not? Um, so the earlier I can get to bed, the better, not that I would choose anything, but doing this podcast with you. Um, wait, wait, wait. there's nothing you choose over this. I, um, I, I love you, man. And I love this podcast, but there's things I would choose over this. Hmm. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Yeah, yeah. There's things phrase that. You did, you, yeah. You gotta... there, there, there's there's things I would like that there's things I'd rather be doing um in over the course of a general week. This is close to, if not my top highlight, recording it and then mm-hmm. it coming out and 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 listening to how we sounded and everything. Um, you know, the, the being excited on Saturday to record on Sunday, recording on Sunday, and then listening to it over Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is a very, very much a bright spot. That's what I'll say. I like that. That's better because, you know, I would, I'd really enjoy like a week on Mykonos, just basking in the sun and, and, and laughing about nothing for hours. Well, and I've only been in Red Deer for four months. I think part of it for me too, is just like, I can't even imagine that being a, a, a fathomable possibility for in my life <laughs> right now. Just like, <laughs> um, well, Hey, it's gray here too. It's gray. Oh man. I came back for Christmas and I couldn't drive anywhere. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what happened? Like, oh, we haven't even mentioned that I almost didn't even make it home for Christmas. Yeah, right. I had to write the story that said the ferry that I needed to take home in the morning was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a life, Anyhow, man. What a life. I, listen, I got back. You got back. We both are. We're both. Uh, we're both okay. And you know, maybe your, maybe your uh, apartment might not be okay. But we will. Uh, we'll have an update on that next week. <laughs> Um, so, so my thinking was we were going to give each other world junior trivia. Do you have any questions prepared for me? I have one locked and loaded. I have to find the note. You go first. Okay. So I have three for you. They're all the same vein. Um, they are, who am I? So I'm going to describe a world junior player. Um, my initial thinking, I think I told you before the podcast, Oh, pick something from the last 15 years. Um, I kind of started to all of mine are actually 2015 or more recent than that. Um, so I'm going to start at the oldest one which is 2015. So this is the three pieces of information you need. Um, You can ask me a question if you want, and I will respond in kind if you need more information. But this is the three major things I had that I wanted you to try and get the player on. So this player captained a stacked 2015 Canadian World Junior team to gold. Despite only finishing fifth in team scoring, he finished sixth in tournament scoring. And this player's line carried Canada through the semifinal. They scored a combined nine points in that game. And one of this player's line mates famously scored a hat trick in that game. Bonus point if you can tell me the line mate. (laughs) Okay, so here's your three major points for the first player. This player captained a stacked 2015 Canadian World Junior team to gold. Despite finishing only fifth in team scoring, This player finished sixth in tournament scoring. Canada had five of the top six scores. This player's line carried Canada through their semifinal. They scored a combined nine points in that game. 
One of this player's line mates famously scored a hat trick in that game and a bonus point if you can tell me who the line mate was. Why am I feeling Curtis Lazar? Is it Curtis Lazar? Bang on. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Curtis and Lazar was the captain. Was the line mate Anthony Duclair? No, it was Nick Patan. Oh, damn. Yeah, Duclair, Domi, and Reinhardt was the first line, and then Patan, Lazar, and McDavid was the second line. McDavid and Lazar Duclair had three. had a crazy game as well that tournament, and that's what he, threw me off. The gold medal game, that first line, Domi, Reinhardt, and Duclair all scored in that game. Duclair scored 23 seconds, and that was an insane game. Uh, okay, so your next player. I'm not going to give you the year for this one because I think it is. I think you'll get it without it, and it will be too obvious with it, but I can if you need it. So. Despite playing on a team with numerous players who have since surpassed him in skill level, including numerous NHL All-Stars, this player was his team and his tournament's top scorer in this tournament en route to a gold medal, and he won tournament MVP. In the gold medal game of this tournament, this player had two assists, which with each of his two line mates scoring once each, and him and his line mates made up the top three point scores of the tournament. Now, the 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 era hint you get is that I said I was going to start um, with 2015. So it is after 2015. Oh, okay. That helps a bit. Okay, that helps a bit. Um... But I know I didn't give you the team or the year. So I can give you both the team you'll get. It, the team you should get it right away. The year will help, I think. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I want so just to say it was a European team. Yes. So just to recount, best player on his team, even though many of his teammates have since surpassed him, um, was the top scorer and tournament MVP of both the tournament and his team. Two assists in the gold medal game, and his the three players on his line went one, two, three in tournament scoring. Was it Finland? Yes. Yes, he pulled your RB. Yes. Bang. Bonus points, other two line mates. Sebastian Ajo. Yep. Miko Rantanen, Rupe Hintz. And Kasperi Kapanen made up the second line of that team, which is insane. I kept thinking Rantanen, and I was like, that's not the line. That's not yeah. the line. <laughs> yeah. Rantanen was the captain, and yeah, that was that was an insane team. Oh, dude, that was that one was fairly hard. Okay, this is the most obscure one, mm. but it's also the most recent, and mm. the tournament was the Vancouver tournament. Mm. Okay. So it he this player is the 2019 World Junior MVP. He finished tied for third in the tournament in points and scored three goals and four points in one game during this tournament, but that was a loss for his team. Whoa. Extra Ooh. hint, that three goal and four point performance erased a four nothing deficit in that game. <sighs> this team did not win the gold medal. They did not. This, was, this was the... Hmm. This is 2018. Well, 2019 World Juniors. 2019 so, World Juniors, yeah. the 18-19 season. Because I'm trying to remember where I was at the time. I believe I was sitting on my couch and my friend Caleb was cooking a frozen pizza. Mm. <laughs> sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and this is also the holiday season where we uh, made horribly attempted jello shots. They were awful and soupy. Uh, mm, mm. Uh, this World Juniors... Featured Capo Caco and Jack Hughes. And one of the players is that. 
No, I don't have it then if it's not Kako or Hughes. I kept thinking it was Hughes. Ryan Paling. Oh! Against Sweden, he had a natural hat-trick and an assist to drag them back. Sweden eventually won that game in overtime. They lost to Finland in the gold medal game in Vancouver. Um, The other thing I had written down, interesting fact, Ryan Paling managed to win tournament MVP, finish third in scoring, and win a silver medal. He did not have a single point in the medal round. All eight of his points were in the group. So bizarre choice for MVP, in my opinion. I thought Alexi Heploniemi deserved it from the start. And but didn't he also have a natural hat trick for the Habs at the end of that season in, only, in a he, last game call-up? He did. So he had one NHL game that season, had three goals, and I don't think he's ever scored three goals in an NHL season since, but you can't correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not 100% sure of that. He might have three goals this season. Does he? Good for him. But <laughs> the heights he achieved in that year have never been sniffed by him. And Aiden, um, that's why we love the World Juniors, because for some of these players, it's the biggest moments they will ever have in their lives, and it's freaking phenomenal. Anything for me, sir, to wrap up? Anything? Ah. All right, Aiden, I've got one for you, too, because it it would just be rude for me not to. And admittedly, I did totally flub what it was, and I had to do research on what question I was asking you beforehand. And uh, I want to use this question to dial it back to one of the most awesome moments in World Junior history, the 2000 okay. World Junior Hockey Championship. Oh, Canada's so, final against Russia. So you're giving me a question from something that happened when I was seven years old, hey? Yep. Okay. Uh, but you are totally familiar with the event. Dude, not even seven. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that no. semifinal against Russia, Jordan Everlay scores an iconic goal. Iconic. That that goal is forever to be replayed in World Juniors going forward whenever Canada is being successful. All right, so when that goal was scored, Canada's goalie was pulled. And there were a couple of important players on the ice, and it led to uh, a final that was one that uh, defined a very special moment in Canadian hockey history. So I'm going to ask you three questions. It's a three-pointer, okay? Is it all on the all get all on three points? This okay, is all the scenario. The... I gave you the scenario. Okay, all in the 09 tournament, specifically the semifinal. All specifically on this game, yeah. Okay, sure. All right, so Canada was playing Russia, and this is the easy one to start. Uh, because this goal was scored, they got to the finals. How many gold medals had Canada consecutively won as a result in 2009 because of Eberle's performance and what got them there? Uh, five. All right, the drive for five. Awesome, you got that. All right, next up, who was the goalie that Canada pulled so Eberle could go score that goal? This is tougher. I I am close to 100% sure this goalie played in this game. However, it was a 6-5 final, so I don't know if this goalie got pulled, but I'm going to go Dustin Tokarski. Bingo. Okay, now the hard one. They were playing Russia in 2009. Who was Russia's World Junior Team's leading scorer in that tournament? Nikita Filatov. Bang! Damn, you're good. See, I knew this wasn't going to be that hard for you. You were worried. You were like, oh, no, I was six. No, you were great. You're so familiar with this moment. You spent as much time on YouTube, Wikipedia, whatever as I have. You're good. Speaking of YouTube, just quickly before we wrap up, 
if you have um, come here and found the podcast from the Canada Owns Hockey YouTube page, uh, you're awesome. Thanks for actually going uh, <laughs> off of what happened in or what was said at the end of those videos or in the captions of the videos and 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 taking the chance on James and I. Um, I'm Aiden. I am the one that has run that Canada Owns Hockey YouTube channel for like six, seven years now. It's always just been a a, a side passion project thing. Um, and recently, James, I had been putting at the end of the video is like, Hey, come, come, come listen to our podcast. So if you are here from the YouTube channel, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Just wanted to throw that out there. And James, it is the work I've always done around world junior season for that YouTube channel that would help me out <laughs> for a question like that. And again, it's not pure recollection that I recall. Um, the, 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 those facts, the drive for five was the, was the walk in the park. Um, but thank you for that. I enjoyed that question. Well done. Awesome. And, uh, and Aiden, I love that shameless plug you threw on that YouTube channel. That's awesome. You did great there because uh, who knows, maybe you added one, two, maybe five listeners, maybe 10. That could be awesome. I'd love that. And we added 10. That just and I, more people can enjoy. But honestly, if we added 10 listeners to this episode, you know what I want those 10 listeners to do? Go listen to Moeller and Brandis in the last two episodes, because I cannot stress enough how much I love doing those interviews and just listen to it. They're amazing. Another show. Yeah, that's probably where I'm going to end off. All right, Aiden, if uh, if you've got nothing more to say, I'm pretty gassed. I think uh, the only other thing I have to say is if you're listening, be careful with washing machines. They will destroy your apartment. I, I will leave that without very much context at all. If you're one of my close friends, you already know. It's absolutely hilarious, and I will not divulge any further. And uh, Does your room – sorry, quickly – Quickly, quickly, quickly. Does your roommate listen to these episodes? No. Okay, so this isn't... in Mexico and doesn't know that this happened. Okay, so this isn't how you're breaking the news, Tim. I just wanted to make sure of that. Okay, Mm. we're good. We're good. Thank you for listening. (laughs) If this is the one of our episodes that he's listened to, then I'm toast. (laughs) But without further ado, our producer, Gareth Baird, let's roll that outro.